This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free and live uncommon sense parenting class. How is everyone today? I hope my fellow Canadians had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. I really enjoyed having that long weekend. <laughs> it was so great to see my family and share a big meal and really just take a step back and relax a bit, especially after all of the stuff and the busyness that was September. The weather is officially cool here, so I'm embracing the sweater weather. <laughs> Fall is my favorite season. It's cool, but not cold yet. There's this transition to the slower pace of winter, and I just, I love all of it. All right, so we're going to be addressing attention-seeking again, but from a different perspective. I've spoken before multiple times on how to address true attention-seeking, but I'm noticing that a lot of parents are classifying behavior as attention-seeking that is not attention-seeking, and as you can probably imagine, treating one kind of behavior as another rarely gets us good results. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Before we do though, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Alana Robinson. I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. I help you understand why your kids are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group, and I'm the creator of the Parentability Program where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. If you're watching, please say hi. Let me know how it's going. Even though these are pre-recorded now, I still like to come back and chat and check your comments. And while you're here, please make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any more classes. All right, so first thing, let's define what is and it is not attention-seeking behavior. Attention-seeking behavior is when your child is calm, alert, and engaged, and they are purposefully doing something to test the validity of a boundary. So for example, you have a firm and established schedule for your morning, which includes them having breakfast, watching a show while you clean up, and then when the show is over, they go play in their playroom while you take a shower and tidy the house. And suddenly, out of the blue, despite this very familiar routine, they start pushing back against turning off the TV. They wanna watch a show while you shower. And usually what happens is that the original boundary pushing happens as the result of a stressor. So like in this instance, maybe they were actually sick last week with a fever. So you left the TV on all morning because they really couldn't play. Unfortunately, that disrupted the consistency of the routine, and because they're little, they have to test under what conditions they can get TV all morning. Attention-seeking is usually very systematic. They follow the scientific method. They have a hypothesis. In this case, if I push hard enough, mom will leave the TV on all morning. And then they test the hypothesis. They whine and cry. The next day, they might hide the remote. Then the next day they might try just whining again. The next day they might be kicking and screaming on the floor, etc. If you've been around here long enough, you'll know that this is the pattern of an extinction burst. They're trying out different possibilities 
And when they don't get the results that they're anticipating, they up the ante. They escalate their behavior. They try to repeat the anticipated results by attacking it from different angles. And then they get rid of the things that didn't work and they go hard at the things that seem like they might. In this example, you might find out that they're trying to fake a sickness. And then they try to replicate those results. Hypothesis, test, take note of the results, tweak, test again. When you watch, it's very clear. And the parents will often say that it's like a switch flips when their hypothesis doesn't work. They just suddenly give up and move on. And that's very characteristic of attention-seeking behavior. If they either get what they want, they just stop, or if the thing is clearly not going to work, they just stop and move on. The test is complete. And they can generally tell you afterwards very clearly why they were behaving that way. So if after your shower you say like, hey, so you really wanted to watch TV while I was showering, eh? And try to empathize with them, They'll generally be straight up and be like, yep. Or if you ask what's wrong during the event, they'll tell you, I want to watch more Octonauts. Just let me have more Octonauts. <laughs> it was purposeful and they had a very specific goal. What is not attention-seeking behavior is when your child is trying to get your help calming down. There's no specific purpose to their behavior. There's no goal other than connection with you or connection with someone. Often this kind of looks like grasping at straws. They're just trying anything to get your attention and draw you into an exchange. They're trying to force you to co-regulate with them. Co-regulation is hallmarked by back and forth. You do something, I do something. You do something, I do something. And both of us are competent in our role. We can do our something without any help from anybody else. So a conversation is co-regulation. I say something, you say something. I say something, you say something. So is yelling back and forth at each other. <laughs> so are many of the games that parents notice their kids are playing where they antagonize you or their sibling. And then when you scold them, they laugh and they do it again, right? They poke their brother, brother says stop, or bats their hand away. They do it again. Brother says stop louder and maybe moves away. They do it again. See the pattern? There's no goal here. They're not trying to get something specific. The goal is simply that back and forth exchange in and of itself. So here's the issue. <laughs> I've spoken before about using planned ignoring to deal with attention seeking. And that still holds water. It's still an effective strategy, but only if it's actually attention seeking. <laughs> if it's not attention seeking, if it's co-regulation seeking, you're going to make it way worse. You won't see that calculated, predictable escalation and attempts. You're just going to see unbridled panic and desperation because when we're dysregulated, we feel unsafe especially children who can't protect themselves. They're vulnerable and they know it. They want to calm down, but they don't know how. So they're trying to compel you to help them. They're just doing it in a very maladaptive way. So now that you've figured out what kind of behavior you're working with, you can respond appropriately. 
As I said, if you're dealing with true attention seeking, then get your planned ignoring on. Stick to those established boundaries, hunker down for an extinction burst because one is blowing your way. If you want more information on that, there's a whole episode about it that you can go back and check out. But if you're recognizing, whoops, this isn't attention seeking, it's co-regulation seeking. Now what do I do? Here's the plan. Manufacture that back and forth interaction. They're trying to draw you into a maladaptive one, so make it adaptive. And I'll use one of my newer parentability clients as an example. Recently, her son was clearly upset while playing with his sisters. She thought it was attention seeking at first, and then she realized he wasn't displaying any clear goal. So she went to take him for a regulation break, but he started hitting her and screaming in her face. So she grabbed a pillow and she just started blocking the blows with the pillow. And almost immediately, his blows became more controlled and he started aiming for the pillow. So she started moving it into more random positions. So now the interaction had gone from her trying desperately to defend herself to her leading the interaction. She was moving the pillow and he was targeting it versus her trying to move the pillow to intercept his blows. It's a very subtle difference, but it's a huge practical difference. And just after a few minutes, he sat down and he took a deep breath and she suggested that they go continue the dinner prep that she'd been doing before she'd had to intervene with his siblings. And she said he stayed calm for the whole rest of the evening. He usually had a big bout of frustration at bedtime and even that didn't happen. So now she's thinking of grabbing some proper sparring pads so they can proactively insert this co-regulation activity into their routine and take it from a reactive maladaptive behavior into a proactive one. See how recognizing the very subtle but very real difference between the root causes of the behavior allowed her to de-escalate the situation and take something very negative and turn it into a positive that's going to reinforce their relationship going forward? And there's even room to take this from a co-regulation activity where they're sparring together and eventually wean herself out of it and replace herself with a punching bag so he can self-regulate. This is why it is so important to correctly identify the function of a behavior. It's honestly a superpower. When parents can correctly identify the cause of behavior and alter what your response is based on that behavior, it gives you space to teach. It builds your relationship rather than driving a wedge into it. And the best part <laughs> is that when we respond appropriately, we model for our kids what to do next time, how to get their needs met without having to resort to provoking people into it. Going back to my client, her son now knows that when he feels like he can ask mom to spar with him, and he has, and because he can ask for it, he's not generally at the point where the need to spar is so strong that he can't wait a few minutes while she finishes what she's doing. So her time with him is much more calm and relaxed on the whole because the immediacy of the demand isn't there anymore. So what started as a really annoying, persistent, constant issue in their home has now completely disappeared. If she'd treated it as purely attention-seeking and used planned ignoring, yeah, he probably would have stopped eventually, 
But he wouldn't have built the skill and created a durable solution. It would have just continued to be a persistent problem. It's the difference between feeling like you're constantly on a hamster wheel and creating durable solutions that increase our children's independence, confidence, and self-control. So I hope that gives you a better idea of how to differentiate and address what looks like attention-seeking behavior. As always, I'd be happy to continue this conversation with you in the comments section or in the Parenting Posse, and I'd like to invite you to come and join us in the Parenting Posse if you aren't there already. The link for that is in the description. All right, that's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting Class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.